You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views and the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. It is brought to you by Solaray Energy, designing and installing solar and storage solutions so you can run your electric vehicle the smart way on solar. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the founder and editor of The Driven, our EV-focused website and of Renew Economy, uh, which writes about the broader energy transition. Well, we've talked a lot about different forms of electric vehicles over the last few weeks. Now we're going to turn our focus back to EV charging. Um, Most people who have electric cars are probably going to be charging their cars at home or at some hopefully conveniently located uh, charging stations around town, maybe at the shopping centres, at work, at the library, um, or in supermarkets and places like that. Big question is, what do you do when you go for a longer trip, go away for a weekend, go on holidays, etc., etc.? And some states are starting to look at this issue. And one of the most interesting uh, proposals comes from the South Australian government. And um, I'm pleased to welcome to this podcast Peter Natras, um, the manager of Futures Future Industries with the South Australian government. Peter, thanks for joining the podcast. Hi, Giles. Great to be with you today. And thanks for persisting through our technical challenges with uh, one of the things um, we don't just need to get our sort of EV charging infrastructure right. We also need to get our uh, internet and uh, <laughs> charging oh, right. But anyway, but um, we've got here. When, when we're pushing boundaries, there's always going to be something that uh, doesn't quite go as we plan. Oh, we're just trying to talk on the phone, actually, in somewhere in Australia, <laughs> but there you go. Oh, well, we got here now. Peter, look, um, Manager of Future Industries, that sounds pretty exciting. Just tell our listeners exactly what that is. Uh, well, South Australia's uh, leadership uh, in renewable energy, uh, you know, is uh, certainly uh, well re- well recognised around Australia and, and, and the world. And uh, my role with my team uh, within the Growth and Low Carbon Division of Energy and Mining is to really make the linkages, uh, to, you know, that are needed to get the maximum value out of our renewable energy resources. So mining all the way through to electric vehicles, it's about getting more demand for zero emission uh, electricity on our grid. So you're starting to think about sort of um, issues about sort of mining the right sort of minerals for the future industries. Is that sort of part of the equation? And does hydrogen come in here and battery storage and stuff like that? Absolutely. So we're looking for all of those flexible loads, but all of the uh, the value add that we can have in South Australia when the world's looking for zero emission uh, green metals and the like. So we've got nickel and, and graphite. Uh, we're looking at that, but we're also looking at recycling opportunities for batteries. So looking at the whole life cycle, South Australians uh, are very good recyclers. So uh, very much looking at making sure we're looking to the end of, of, of that pipe as well as looking at the start of it. It's one of the ha- happy outcomes, I guess, of being so far ahead in this sort of the decarbonisation efforts. I mean, as you mentioned before, South Australia is a leader in Australia and the world. Um, wind and solar provided 60% of local electricity demand in the last year and will probably jump significantly higher over the next two years as some new projects come online and different technologies such as synchronous condensers, which we won't go into now, but basically it frees up the grid to accept more wind and solar and have less gas generation forced into the grid to keep the grid stable. So that's pretty exciting. But of course, once you've decarbonised the grid, then you've got to look at your other sectors to decarbonise as well. And of course, one of those is transport, which because I think South Australia is what 
cut its emissions around about half, I guess, from the electricity grid. So now transport actually emerges as um, accounting for about one third of total emissions. Therefore, the big focus must now be on electrifying um, not just the government fleet, but the public fleet as well. Absolutely. It's really that uh, next global mega trend that the South Australian government's positioning its community for. Uh, we've got that that uh, you know, 100% renewable, net 100% renewable by 2030. Uh, and so we can see the technology coming. We can see that we've got that renewable energy resource to be able to provide zero emission transport. 30% of state emissions are from transport. Uh, it's it's a logical place to be working with our community uh, to decarbonise. Let's get to why you're on the program, because it's about this interesting sort of tender or call for registrations of interest. Um, this is about sort of rolling out an extensive network of electric vehicle charging stations across the state. And um, look, it, it's, it's, it's a state with a lot of distance between different towns, um, sort of all sort of huddled together a little bit in the southeast, but sort of, you know, many other places, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of kilometres away. Just give our listeners just a brief overview of what you've just announced um, in the last few weeks and um, this sort of tender or this registration of interest that uh, closes um, early next month. Sure. So uh, in May, uh, Minister Van Holst-Pelikan, who's our energy and mining minister, he released some uh, funding guidelines for South Australia's electric vehicle charging network. And uh, that is uh, $13 million of uh, grant funding to secure private investment to set up um, really two streams of charging networks. So a rapid, an ultra rapid network for the highways, uh, which would include the shopping centres, uh, petrol filling stations uh, and the like. But then also a, a second stream, which is really looking at uh, the overnight accommodation uh, sector. So hotels, motels and holiday parks. Um, because that's ultimately uh, where um, people end up at the end of their trip. Um, so people will be aware that um, we uh, had a two-week holiday in Tasmania driving an electric vehicle, driving around the state, and it was an interesting mix of, sort of fast charging and also at um, overnight accommodation, as you say. But what we had to do was to actually sort of, you know, often run a lead up through the bathroom window and across the veranda and down the side and um, into the car, which wasn't mostly convenient. So uh, it's... It's, um, I, I think you're tackling the right spot in, in, in sort of hotels and, and, and caravan parks and things like that. So what exactly is it in it for them? Sure. Um, you know, the, the holiday park, so hotels, motels and holiday parks, but they've really uh, um, positioning, I suppose, those businesses for a growth opportunity. So uh, they've had a, 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 you know, a lot of years where, They've uh, been very focused upon energy efficiency within their operations um, and, you know, for air conditioning because we all go to accommodation, say it's a motel, and uh, the air conditioner's on and, and uh, we, we use a lot of electricity. And so um, the uh, opportunity for motels is uh, capturing some of that value at the end of your trip. So uh, holiday parks, uh, I'll, I'll go into that a bit more uh, soon, but... When you look at that in South Australia, the, the tourism uh, sector for overnight stay um, is worth $2.72 billion. Um, and if you look at the, uh, the splits of that, there's $654 million, uh, which is actually for the overnight accommodation. So the cost of, uh, you know, staying overnight. But there's actually another $878 million that's spent on transport fuels and another $1.23 that's spent on food for, you know, restaurants. 
So really what's in it for uh, motels and holiday parks is, is, is whether they can capture a slice of that, that uh, transition from liquid fuels into electricity uh, with electric vehicles. That's interesting. So that's that $1.2 billion and possibly some of that actual money spent on sort of um, on, on food and things like that and just working out if they can actually position themselves by providing charges. Uh, people like to sort of, as, as, as I think the doc, your, your document says, they like to multitask. So while the electric vehicle charging, they want to be doing something else, either eating, sleeping or, um, or drinking or whatever. Um, so is that the general idea? And, and, and is it to have more than just a simple PowerPoint um, you're going to encourage people to actually sort of adopt sort of, it might not be super fast charges, but it might be sort of faster charging than the average PowerPoint. Absolutely. So when you, we, we did some research, we had a marketing company, Metric Marketing, who uh, did some uh, research for us about uh, existing fuel purchasing cycles, about everyone knows uh, someone with a shopper docket or a uh, that, you know, they chase the fuel cycle, bargain hunters, there's impulsive people buying petrol. Um, we're looking at those behaviours, uh, the practices of consumers and trying to understand what they would transfer through to uh, if they had an electric vehicle. Um, and some of the work that, some of the findings that we uh, uh, you know, came across with that was looking at where people are at certain times of the day um, and also how people, uh, what their preferences are when they're in their home environment or their away environment. So when people were in their home environment, um, you know, most people will charge at home, uh, but what it found was that um, people wanted to multitask. So they wanted to be able to go to the supermarket and they wanted to plug in and charge. Uh, so if you lived in an apartment building, perfect. Once a week, twice a week, you can go to the uh, shopping centre and you can plug in. Once they got away from home, uh, their, their focus shifted. It was uh, very much about experience and, and the like. So cost was less important, it became more about that experience and convenience. So they talked about bakeries. I don't know if you're on the road trip, Giles, but uh, on your Tassie road trip, but it was the bakeries of what people were speaking about. They mentioned country towns with uh, where they would stop for food. Um, and so uh, that really started to shape some of our thinking about uh, where do these charges need to go? Um, and, and that got us to look at motels and holiday parks and it really aligned with what do people want to do, how do they travel. So we hear of electric vehicle drivers grazing their way to their destination, so they'll get up early and they'll stop at 10 and 12 and, say, 2 o'clock um, for their coffees and, and other breaks. And then the next stop is onto their accommodation if it's a really long day. Um, and so cost, convenience and experience, uh, they want to be at their accommodation with their feet up, watching the TV, knowing the car's charging. <laughs> you got it. You hit it right in the number there with the uh, with it with the bakery. I remember going in a certain one part of Tasmania through the Central Highlands, and there's a very famous scallop pie shop uh, in Tasmania, and it wasn't exactly where the fast charger was. It was about ten kilometres away. And we were sort of choosing between the two. Look, in the end, we did choose both. So we stopped at both things. We went. Well, we got. We went and got our scallop pies, and we then went and charged somewhere else and got another cup of coffee. But um, you're quite right about that grazing thing. I hadn't actually thought about that. I just. Um, it's probably nice when you actually sort of taking you know the, your time on holidays just to sort of yeah just to sort of take it easy stop every couple of hours and if you can find a place to charge at the same time then um fantastic that's going to encourage people to go to certain places and, and that's and that shows the value of that highway network so the rapids and ultra rapids so important because you you know you've got 10 15 20 minutes um and people want to be able to have line of sight to their car 
They want to be able to, you know, do what they need to do. And, you know, the beauty of an electric car is you don't have to stand next to it. It's not like a petrol vehicle or diesel where you have to, you're a slave to the Bowser. Mm. Uh, you, you're, you're, you're free to move, move around. So they, they want that experience. Slave to the Bowser. I think I quite like that line. Um, so what, what sort of things are you expecting to help you up, um, to, to hear from, from the, um, from the various businesses out there? I mean, you've got, is it the registration of interest is due on August the 2nd? Um, you just expecting them to sort of say, look, we're going to put our hand up for one. Um, what do we do next? Uh, so the, the stage we're at now is actually the formal funding proposals from industry. So charge point operators. Uh, so we've, release the funding guidelines that are available from the government's website, which is electricvehicles.sa.gov.au. And uh, the focus now is to get, uh, we've got three grants on the for uh, uh, charge point operators, so three grants for the uh, zones for the rapid network and three zones with three grants for the fast charges, which is seven kilowatts or greater. Um, so... That's where we're at at the moment is that formal phase to actually get people to build it and the government will uh, make a contribution to that construction process. So they will in fact sort of say that we'll actually sort of install these here and there, then they will actually, so who actually sort of does the negotiation with the with the tourist destinations, be they sort of um, bakeries or hotels or caravan parks or whatever? Sure. So what we'd heard from industry uh, last year was the hardest thing when you're reaching out into the regions is to actually identify those prospective sites. So we've actually ran a previous process which uh, attracted 160 registrations of interest with over 600 sites uh, which are property owners, uh, tenants and, and property owners. And so we're actually uh, providing that list to the, the charge point operators. They can use that list of um, uh, you know, uh, shopping centres, individual uh, property owners, uh, petrol stations, they can use that as the basis uh, to then put their proposals together for government to consider. And that's, that's what uh, closes on the 2nd of August. It's still an opportunity for um, site owners and tenants to register because, um, you know, uh, that'll be of great use to, to industry. So can, they can also go to that. Uh, electricvehicles.sa.gov.au they go there and they can register their site um, and hopefully they get a call mm. Now what about camping grounds and um, caravan parks and things like that what's the special issue there that um, presents either in sort of you know in sort of opportunities and things like that because some of them have actually been doing it reasonably tough over the last couple of years but um... Absolutely so that's where it gets really interesting because um, I don't think holiday parks are quite what they used to be um, they have uh, been doing an amazing job over the years to really uh, uh, meet the needs of um, you know more and more energy intensive uh, caravans and camper vans and campers uh, people with um, used to be just an incandescent light now you've got caravans that are decked out with air conditioners you've got the the utes that have got multiple batteries on them they've got power assist uh, bicycles uh, and so really there's a, a real growth in their uh, electricity use um, and they've really you know, focused on energy efficiency, but then they've added in bouncy castles and, and uh, water attractions. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, and then there's people like ourselves, uh, Giles, that uh, arrive with an electric vehicle and uh, we uh, are looking for a charge. So we see the emerging threat, but it's a, um, also a massive opportunity noting what I said earlier about $878 million 
um, potential there uh, is to look at um, uh, capturing a, a segment of that market, uh, preparing for that change. So uh, the funding guidelines actually uh, envisage um, a fair few of these uh, holiday parks to actually put their hand up and work with charge point operators to put in at least four uh, charges. And we see that as sort of a, um, a relationship, a business development opportunity for them um, because, um, you know, from there they can really grow as the industry grows. Mm. Mm. And what about the issue, if you've got a lot of people travelling around and they're arriving at the hotels or they're arriving at for dinner or they're arriving in the caravan parks or the camping grounds and wanted to charge the car, and what about sort of the issue about sort of charging at the evening peak times? Um, this can be quite important in South Australia as it is in the rest of the grid. Um, what sort of thinking have you on those lines? And that, that's where we, uh, we, we worked with um, an engineering company, a couple of uh, companies to really uh, look at uh, that use profile. So uh, Oricon and Energia, who do a lot of work for the um, uh, like energy markets and arena, um, they we actually worked with uh, some uh, holiday parks and motels to catch the electricity consumption across a year. So interval data every five minutes or half hour to really map out and then look at how we could uh, integrate electric vehicles into those properties. Um, and that that time we looked. We also looked at uh, uh, booking, so occupancy, and we've mapped that over the top of uh, electricity consumption to understand when people check in and when they check out, and then look at when is the best time for them to charge, given the the capacity of that infrastructure, the electrical infrastructure at these holiday parks, you know, built in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, starting to really age. So there's a an opportunity we see uh, there for um, some smart charging, trying to uh, defer that charge away from that 5 until 9 p.m. because that's when everyone's priority is about the air conditioner um, and shift it into the night when there's uh, an abundance of renewables or into the day. Uh, we've found that the average stay at a holiday park is about four and a half days, so you know four to five days, um, and a, a motel, it's about two to three days. So there's plenty of opportunity for a person who's uh, staying at a holiday park to catch that cheap energy um, between you know on during their stay so mm. we just think it needs a bit of smart it can't be i suppose a dumb charger that you just plug in and off it goes mm -hmm. uh, to be the best deal for the the driver and for the holiday park we we're really uh, looking at um, in the first instance we just want to get some charges in but we want them to talk about smart about how they grow from there and that's where we see potentially in the future it's like inset networks where do holiday parks need to own the infrastructure? Could it be a, a, another, um, a, like another business that actually refreshes all of that infrastructure for them, um, and then uh, helps them to actually meet the needs? Because we, um, there's other threats that are there uh, with that growing demand for energy, and that means they could give better service to their customer. I'm just, wonder, just wondering, I mean, do you have any idea what sort of load some of those big camper vans and um, caravans actually sort of draw down now when they sort of plug in from the caravan parks? Well, the latest development, uh, and this, this gets me nervous uh, for operators, I suppose, is uh, the latest caravans have got two 15-amp supplies. So the, the normal uh, bay that you have there at the moment just has a single 15-amp. Mm. Uh, and so the, the product, the, you know, the caravans now, there's going to be a, a driver standing there with two, power, two, two plugs 
and only provided with one. So when you think that a seven kilowatt charger actually needs a 32 amp circuit, uh, and they've only got 15, uh, and that caravan's now needing a 32 amp circuit to run two 15s, there's a perfect match there, that the infrastructure could be renewed, you put in, um, uh, provide for that need for that caravan owner to be able to plug into 15 amp supplies, and then overnight, uh, when they're sleeping and the air conditioner demands low, then it can charge the vehicle uh, and through the day as well. Interesting stuff. Now, you're only actually an electric vehicle owner yourself. Um, you've got not just one, but you've actually got two. So um, tell us what you've got and, and why. Uh, well, I've got a, a Mitsubishi um, Outlander plug-in that we've had since 2016. Uh, and I bought that. Uh, I was working with the City of Adelaide at the time. And uh, we, I was working on the carbon neutral Adelaide work, and I thought, well, if you're going to uh, be involved in electric vehicles, you probably should at least understand the technology. Yes. And uh, and then then uh, about five or six weeks ago, we took uh, delivery of a uh, Hyundai Ionic, and that was because we've um, wanted to uh, you know uh, kick the habit, I suppose, get off fossil fuels altogether, and. Uh, and, and that's been a, a really interesting process as well to learn how to integrate that into our home. So we've got a home energy management system, but integrating in seven kilowatts on top of air conditioning and water heating, it's a, a fine art. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, it's, it's good. I've got a, a, a product which I'm working with in terms of that I've used, which is a um, solar heart habit. So uh, it's... Um, uh, combined energy technologies and that actually schedules my loads. Um, oh, okay. Yep, so I can charge the you know the cars overnight, heat the heat the water, air conditioner comes on, and I don't blow the fuse and need SA Power Networks to come out for a call out. <laughs> and that's that's what keeps me awake at night is seeing the truck roll up because I've blown the fuse. Oh, no, no, you don't want that. You don't want that at all. Um, tell me, so as as a driver of a plug-in um uh, hybrid, I'm I'm quite sort of fascinated by this. So um, you know, we keep on hearing that you know plug-in hybrids can probably only go about forty or fifty kilometres on electricity, but the average r daily trip is probably only forty or fifty kilometres. How much do you reckon, apart from sort of long holidays and getting away from things like that, how much driving around town do you reckon you did, um, electric only, and um, I mean, did you sometimes just sort of forget and not bother to charge up or were you sort of quite fastidious and religious about it and, um, and made sure it was charged up at every opportunity? Oh, char charged at every opportunity. It, it was really good. Uh, young kids, so it got us uh, from where we lived down to the beach and back, um, which, you know, was a, a good match for that uh, 40 to 50 kilometre round trip. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a perfect match for our, our needs. Um, my family, my wife, uh, uses it for her work, and then that's why we've now stepped up into the full electric um, to make sure that uh, I suppose I don't have to think about it so much. The beauty of uh, uh, full electric is um, you know, I'm not wanting to uh, charge it every night like a phone. I'm wanting to really charge it uh, on a weekend um, or charge it once a week, and that's the beauty of, a, I suppose, a pure electric. Full electric mm. is the battery's big enough and I can do it and mm. have to worry less about it. 
will enjoy your new electric vehicle. Um, I'm not too sure whether you can't really comment about sort of government policy, but what, what's actually sort of been announced in the terms of sort of transitioning to electric vehicles? I mean, it's rolling out this kind of great sort of program for electric vehicle infrastructure and charging infrastructure. Does it have any particular targets in terms of sort of uptake of EVs? Are there any sort of government mandates for the government fleet and things like that? Um, can you give us a brief description of what's been announced? Sure. So the the work that we're undertaking is uh, part of the government's electric vehicle action plan. And uh, within that, um, the government really is looking at fleets, the, the electric vehicles being the default choice for fleets by you know, 2025 and households by 2030, being that you know uh, default preference at uh, cost, total cost of ownership um, stacks up around then is the work that we've done. Um, and so the the state government also has uh, to show its uh, commitment to that uh, has changed the the way we actually buy electric uh, will buy vehicles, which is requiring an opt out policy. So normally for a fleet manager, if they want to buy an electric vehicle, um, they'd really need to do a business case to show well why would we take it. Uh, what we've done is reverse that and put the path of least resistance is is to take an electric vehicle. Uh, so. Um, our, our fleet SA, uh, they look at the vehicles regularly and see which ones have a total cost of ownership that is equivalent to a petrol engine or diesel vehicle. And then in that category, if there's one that comes up that has the same cost of ownership or close, then uh, fleet managers need to take that. So we've changed that that requirement. So we've given the mandate that if, it, if it's cost effective and does the job, you need to take it. That's fascinating, actually. So what sort of fleet managers are we talking about, sort of commercial or private or just government? Uh, that's the government fleet. So mm -hmm. um, so what we watch is each category of vehicles, and if uh, if something comes up in that sort of uh, compact SUV or the like, so that MG and uh, Hyundai and others are in, then if it uh, uh, stacks up, then the, the fleet managers need to take those vehicles. Um, the other work that we're doing is... Uh, uh, there's $3.6 million the government released for smart charging trials and uh, we're headed towards um, some uh, decisions with that uh, and that's really looking at business models like uh, what gaps are there uh, for, um, you know, uh, uh, car parks, uh, virtual power plants, um, uh, commercial fleets. So uh, looking at the, uh, the the service models, the gaps that are there that um, uh, we uh, closed that in February, and we've now um, moving towards the decisions on those. Um, the uh, the other actions that are in the uh, uh, electric vehicle action plan are electric bus grid integration study. So looking at our whole uh, bus fleet, and really looking at the total cost to government to be able to uh, you know to electrify buses. So lots of really good um, uh, leadership there, real uh, work that's really important to. Um, get South Australia, um, you know, on track with its electrification. And buses particularly are very interesting because half of the fleet is uh, sitting idle in the middle of the day and with lots of wind and sun, it's a perfect time to be able to charge those buses. Hmm. Perfect. And just getting back to the fleet, so how many vehicles have you identified which um, has a... Um, a superior operating cost or um, leasing cost or, or total cost um, than the petrol um, um, alternative? So it's, a, it's a, a pretty new policy. So we're still going through the process of uh, doing that total cost of ownership and getting uh, the agreed uh, parameters, I suppose. Um, 
but the early work shows that there's some cars that are pretty close um, uh, to uh, moving into that category. And so uh, once once that occurs, that'll be a very positive thing for uh, the government buying electric vehicles. Mm, fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more about that. Peter Natris, thank you very much for joining the uh, Driven Podcast. It's my pleasure. And that was Peter Natris, um, the Manager of Future Industries in South Australia. Um, don't forget that that tender closes around August the 2nd. Um, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Thank you also to our sponsors, Solarate Energy. And we'll be back again in a week or two with another edition of the Driven Podcast. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Solaray Energy. Solaray Energy has been designing and installing solar and storage solutions for electric vehicle owners since EVs first arrived in Australia. There's a smarter way to run your EV from Solaray. Visit solaray.com.au forward slash the driven.